You know, this time of year, it's difficult on evangelists and so forth and so on because most folks are spending their money on Christmas and not on revival meetings and so forth and so on. So we're very fortunate to have one of the better evangelists in all this country on the staff of our church and has been now for 25-plus years. And uh, he's the only friend that I've managed to keep for 40 years, probably because I work at it so hard, and he works at it absolutely none. <laughs> Welcome, Dr. House, to the church, would you? Thank you, thank you. Well, it's good to be at home for Christmas and uh, to be at uh, Joshua Baptist Church and to be with friends. I want you to take your Bible this morning, if you would, and open it to Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3. We're in churches usually every year at Christmas somewhere. I've just heard some of the best Christmas music I've ever heard. All of it around Calvary and the blood of Jesus Christ. That, that's what it's all about. And I'm delighted for that. You find Acts chapter 3, we'll get there in a moment. I appreciate the pastor letting me be here. Of course, I know so much against him, he kind of has to let me be here every once in a while. You know, No way around that. Christmas. Let's see. Gifts, giving, and getting. That's about what it's come to, isn't it? And, and, and most Christmas gifts, have you noticed, they're returned or re-gifted. Most time when I get something, I try to figure out, now who can I get this to, who can I get to take this, you know? Who, who, who can I give this to? Most Christmas gifts come under three headings, not useful, not needed, or not wanted. And we just keep doing it over and over and over again. Uh, I had Siri do some research yesterday. I, I don't know. Why should I do it? She's got it all. Last year, $46 billion worth of Christmas gifts were returned. One out of three recipients returned a gift within the first week after Christmas. Unwanted, unneeded, unasked for, not useful. I think a lot of us just do it out of obligation, don't you? I ought to do this or it's going to be bad. You know, just get it done. Now, with the Christmas season coming at, at a church like this, you're going to hear uh, some wonderful preaching concerning Christmas and what it's all about in the few days that are ahead. And uh, it's worth hearing about you know, what God's, God's great gift that, that he gave. You, you remember, thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. That's a keeper. That's non-returnable. You can't even begin to describe it, you see. No returns on that. 
But what, what about a, a good Christmas gift for Christ? What about just flipping it? And instead of being so concerned about getting, we just set out for one year to decide what could we really give Christ that, that would please him. You say, well, I've rededicated my life yet yeah, 12 times. The idea is, though, what, what did you do? What, see, we give him a lot of things, number one, that are not useful, number two, are unwanted, and number three, ought to be returned to us. Yet we, we think we're doing a wonderful, wonderful thing. What does, what does he want? You, you can find it in many places in the Bible. Over there in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, it says they first gave their own selves. That'd be a good gift to Jesus this morning. And Romans 12, 1 and 2, it talks about presenting our bodies a living sacrifice. That'd be a good gift. But the thought this morning will be simple just on this thought from Acts chapter 3. And that's uh, what kind of giver can give a good gift to Christ? What kind of a giver can Christ use? See, we've got, I guess, millions of Christians in the world today, and yet there are just those few that seem to be used over and over and over again. What kind of a person, a giver, a gift can Christ use? That you present yourself, you present yourself, you give God something. Let's look at Acts chapter 3 for just a few moments this morning and, and see what kind of a person that he really uses. If you and I were going to select him, we'd probably get the wrong one. But here in Acts chapter 1, we get an idea of what's happening. Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. Now the first kind of gifter that God uses is one who's already doing the right thing. Look at it now. Uh, they're going up and together in the temple at the ninth hour, the hour of prayer. Three o'clock in the afternoon. It's prayer time. Guess where these two guys? Peter. Now, if I was going to pick somebody out God used, I'd have missed Peter. But see, he's somebody that got busy doing the right thing all right already. He's staying busy. Prayer time, they're going to pray. Going to do the right thing. Time to pray, we go pray. Don't have to vote on it. Don't have to decide on it. Just go do the right thing. Multitudes of folks in our churches tell you how they want God to use them. And it seems like he never does. See, all you have to do is obey God and do the right thing in the first place. And, and then God will use you. Have you noticed, now it's at every church except this one, of course. There, there are some people who seem to never be where the action is. I mean, if it's going on, they're not there, you see. They never seem to be used, and others just blessed and used by God. And it's not really based on their ability as much as it is their availability. And so uh, the, first, the first characteristic of a giver that can gift God with something that's pleasing to him is one that's already doing 
what's right. Now, secondly, there's a second characteristic mentioned in verse 2 and 3, a good gift for Christ. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked an alms. I don't know how long this crippled man had been carried out, how many days he'd laid there, how many thousands he'd watched go by, and nothing had ever changed for him. The right person, I guess, had not come by. But when you look at it now, here's Peter and John about to go into the temple, and he asked for alms. Second characteristic of the giver that God uses, he's willing uh, to have his schedule interrupted. He's willing to, 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 to let people know he cares about them. Uh, we have so many Christians today so busy in their service for God, they don't have time for people. We missed why we're here. We don't understand what it's all about, it seems like. Here's Peter and John hurrying along to prayer time gets interrupted. Now, they're on their way to an important event. They're expected to be there. From what I get here, it's time for them to be there. So they've got a decision to make. Their schedule or the needs of a human. And so they, they, they had to be willing to be interrupted, you see. It's, it's amazing. God uses people who kind of walk slowly through the crowd. I, we're in churches every week. I, I, I go to churches where I watch. I watch staff members and preachers walk by a hundred people, never see any of them, because they're busy. They got jobs to do. They're, they're, they've got things on their mind, but it's the wrong thing, and, and God doesn't get a lot out of that. And we need to understand that we've got to be willing for our schedules to be interrupted if God's going to get a good gift out of us. Now watch this third thing, if you would. What kind of a giver can give God with what he wants? Well, look at verse 4. And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, look on us. People who pay attention to need. Not only were they willing to be interrupted, they stopped. They listened to him, and they spotted a need. I reckon we'd have to come to the conclusion that the people that, that God uses to gift him are not people with fewer needs than other people. They're just people who understand it's more blessed to give than to receive. And don't get nervous. It's not about money because Peter and John didn't have any. Uh, not, not a, they didn't have a bit of money, but they understood something. See, givers never concentrate on themselves. Ask Peter and John, you, you boys have a need? Well, what do you think? Didn't have any money. You suppose they had a need? Well, of course they did. But they knew that there was something more important than, than their need. And when they concentrated on others, incredible things began to happen. Can you imagine what Peter and John might have said? 
I just think about what you might have said. You, you, you're, you're right on time. You're just going to walk in the door. It's starting. <laughs> They're expecting you. It, it's prayer time. And this guy's flagging you down wanting something. And, uh, and you see the need. Now, what would you have told? It's, it's interesting. We don't really like to admit it, do you? I, I suppose he could have said, based on my carnality, I suppose he could have said, man, I, I can see you've got a real need, I, and we're going to prayer meeting. I want you to know we'll pray for you. Uh, don't you reckon that's about the biggest cop-out a Christian ever uses? I'll pray for you. I just assume you're not. You know, if you can't do anything about it, probably not in need of praying about it. It's probably not going to get your prayer through anyway, you know. They, 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 they pray. They just never get involved. Never witness. Never, never, never soul win. Never get their hands dirty. Never work in the nursery. Never usher. Never drive a bus. Never work with the children. They just come and they pray. And they say, feed me, preacher, feed me. I'm looking at you. You don't need more food. You need exercise. Uh, get over that stuff right quick. Well, preacher, I, I, I just came to consume. I didn't come to contribute. And no, they, they, they paid attention to needs. They spotted the need, and they paid attention to it. Now, what kind of giver can gift God with what he wants? Well, they do the right thing to start with. They're willing to be interrupted. They pay attention to needs. That's a good gift for Christ when somebody gets in that attitude. But watch. Look at verse 4 and 5 together now. And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, Look upon us. And he gave heed unto them. Look. Expecting. A little bit of hope rising up now. Been a long time since he's had any hope at all. But he looked at them, expecting to receive something of them. Now, I know what he's expecting to receive. I think I do, and I think you do. But instead of what he thinks he needs, he's about to get what he really needs. And that's the way it is sometimes, you see. And so God uses people who inspire hope in others. John said to him, Look on us. That got his attention. He, he, he's paying attention now. And he looked expecting to receive. And right here we have to come to understand it can't all be about money because they don't have any. Giving has everything to do with what you give in this life and what you take out of this life. That's what giving is, you know. What you contribute to a cause and what you don't contribute to a cause. I have friends that if they didn't contribute, it would make me happy. Uh, they're, they're my friends who, when they leave a room, it brightens it up. You know, they, they never contribute any hope or any joy, you know. They, they just, they're takers. And I don't care to be around the takers. They depress me. You know, it, it's just a, it's a pitiful, pitiful show of Christianity. You know, always, always complaining, always unhappy, always out of sorts, 
always twisted off and bent and messed up, you see. Uh, what kind of hope do they show to the world? And God looking for someone who inspires hope in others. The next one's a biggie. If you would look now to verse 6. Then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have. I'd suggest to you, if you haven't already done it, you pick out those words. Such as I have. That's all God expects us to do. But he does expect us to do that. Paul, Peter said, uh, now, uh, John, John, Peter and John said, don't have any gold, don't have any silver. But he didn't say, so I can't give you anything. He said, such as I have. That, that, that might be what we need to look at as the year for revival comes up. Starting, I guess, the first week in January. That's all God, that's all revival is when, when God gets such as we have. However you want to describe it, however you want to look at it, that's what it, that's what it comes down to, you see. And, and God, here's their characteristic, God is gifted by people who use what they have. I know it doesn't bother Brother Wolf, but I get tired of hearing people talk about what they'd give if they had it. And it, when they win the lottery, and when Aunt Susie dies and they get their inheritance, I don't care a bit about what you'd do if, what was such as you have. And that's all God's looking for out of any of us. He doesn't expect a bit more than what we have. He doesn't expect a bit less than what we have. And, and we need to understand that. God, God uses people who use what they have. And givers always find a way to give. Did you know that? They always would. Peter didn't. Did you notice Peter didn't say we don't have anything to give to you? He said silver and gold have we not. But he didn't say, man, I, I'm sorry, we can't help you. That'd been, that'd been sort of the way we would do it. But he said, no, no silver and gold, but such as I have. I want to ask you a question. I want to ask you two or three questions. There will be a test, so pay attention. Could God have healed the man without Peter and John? He certainly could have, but he didn't, did he? It's, it's an amazing thing what we think sometimes. See, God seldom deals with man directly. He uses other men and ladies and teenagers. I ask you a question. It's heavy stuff. I know that. See if you get it. Do you think... God could have pulled that flood thing off without Noah. But he didn't, did he? Do you suppose God could have got his children out of Egypt without Moses? But he didn't, did he? And there's somebody out there lost that's not going to get saved without you. And there's somebody out there without hope that will never have hope without you. And there's somebody out there that's going to live this life not thinking one thing about eternity because we never inspired one bit of hope in it. And we need an old-fashioned, gift-giving time to Jesus Christ when we just present him with that wonderful gift, you see. 
God works through his people. That's his normal way of doing things. Look, look if you would, to verse 7. We see another one. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. I've heard this preached all sort of ways, just like you do, and I don't think there's ever been a bad intent in any of it, but I, I've, heard, I've heard folks say, you know, that, uh, that uh, uh, Peter spoke to him, and immediately he was healed. And it's good preaching, it just ain't the truth, is it? Well, look at it. And he took him by the hand, Here, here's the key to it, and lifted him up. See, back up there in verse 6. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. The fellow couldn't get up. I'm not going to get any help at all, am I? He couldn't get up. So Peter gave him a hand and lifted him up. Now watch. And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. God uses people who are willing to try and then trust God for the rest. Now, I, I, there's no question here. You, 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 it's obvious. Peter knew, and it'll show up here in a minute, Peter knew that he didn't have any power in this thing. But he also knew if he didn't do all he could do, God wasn't going to do what he wanted to do. And so he said, now in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he immediately gave him a hand, got him up, and his ankle bones received strength. Here's what it is. God uses people who are willing to try and then trust God for the rest. You know, don't say I can't, say I'll try. And then let God do what you can't do, you see. Uh, they had to raise him up so God could heal him. They had to do all they could do before God would do what he wanted to do. And it's the same thing for us. Let's go on to verse. Well, I'll begin reading in verse 8, eight and we'll follow up and be through. And he lived leaping stood up and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. Seems like there's something that goes with getting healed, you know, and that's praising. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. And they knew that it was he. I'm going to inject something that they'd walked by a thousand times and never even give a nod of the head to it. Ah, what conviction must have come that they had when they looked at him and said, how many times did we go by him? We, we never gave him a hand. We never lived. We had nothing for him. They knew that it was he who had set for arms at the beautiful gate of the temple and they were filled with wonder and amazement at that which had happened unto him. And as the lame man which was healed held Peter and John. You want to you get that little thought? He's, he's holding them. 
he, he, he doesn't want to get away because something's in his mind. He held Peter and John. All the people ran together unto them in the porch that is called Solomon's, greatly wondering. And when Peter saw it, he answered unto the people, You men of Israel, why marvel you at this? Or why you look? Or why look you so earnestly on us, as though by our own power or holiness we had made this man to walk? The God of Abraham, and of Isaac, and of Jacob, the God of our fathers, hath glorified his Son, Jesus Christ. See, God uses people to gift him who want to be sure that God gets the glory out of it and that they don't. I think we've got a lot of folks today in all of our churches who do what they do so they can get noticed, so they can get a little bit of the glory. The folks that get stuff done, you, you probably don't even know their names. They, they're stuck back there in the nursery, that green beret duty. Back there with 240 <laughs> screaming children, and and uh, and as we walked out, I heard I heard Brian tell the preacher something else. He said there are 15 parents here too. Yeah, I might just stay for that. That that would be worth staying for. But see, God uses people who are unwilling to receive the glory for themselves. They just, won't, they just won't accept it. All right, see there in verse 11 again, he's holding on to Peter and John. He thought that's where it came from. And Peter and John were not going to leave that alone. They weren't going to let that pass, not for a minute. They said, we want you to understand something. What's going on here is this. God hath glorified his son, Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ got all of the glory. So a good... Christmas gift for Christ would come from someone who's doing right already or willing to get right already. It would come from someone who's willing to be interrupted in their normal activities of life. It would come from someone who pay attention to needs, and the world's full of needs today. Uh, forget the world. Joshua's full of needs. Johnson County's full of needs. Texas full of needs. America going to hell. And we just sat around piddling. Don't see any need. Uses people to inspire hope in others. How long has it been since you gave somebody a little hope? Just a little bit. Uses people who use what they have, such as we have. He uses people that are willing to try and trust God and are certainly want God to get the glory. So here we are for a good gift. Can God count on you today for a good gift? You know, you've already put your money in, so you're not worried about that. We're talking about a good gift now. Can God count on you to give him a, a, a good gift? In other words, are you going to set out to do the right things right now in the middle of all your circumstances, however, whatever they are? You say, you don't know what I'm going through. Do right. Just do right already. Uh, can, can he count on you to, to, to be willing to be interrupted? Might have to miss your golf game or your hunting trip or, or, or uh, 
Are you sewing circle? Are you antiquing? Could, could he count on you to be interrupted if it came to that? See, that's, that's who he uses. Uh, would, would you pay attention to the need? Can he count on you to give somebody some hope in the days ahead? Maybe before tonight. Can he count on you to just use what you have? Some of you waited for years to get your ducks in a row and get more money than you can ever spend and get the children grown and gone. Good luck with that one. They might get grown and never get gone. They keep coming back. Hands out. Mm. Can he count on you just to do right, right now? To try and then trust God for the rest. You know, that's, that's a pretty easy job. Just try. That's all God asks. And then, and then Paul said, and I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. You've got to keep Christ in the equation so he gets the glory. Too many I can do all fingers out there, I think. The good gift for Christ would be you today with those characteristics in your life, just saying, you know, I've lived this long for myself. Now I'm going to gift Christ with something worthwhile. It'd be a good thing for every teenager before you get old and wasted to just give everything to Christ. God called you to preach, preach. God called you to be a preacher's wife. But uh, work on it. Wouldn't, it. wouldn't it simplify things if we just said, all right, Lord, your way, such as I have, give my day.